Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manesh. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from West Palm Beach, Florida. Welcome to the show, Sharon Restrepo. Thanks, Victor. It's awesome to be here. Great to have you here. Now, Sharon, you've gone through a couple of different market cycles and you've developed a model around how to examine market cycles. And that's what I want to dig into today. But before we do, why don't you just give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Sure. Thanks, Victor. So I am currently a real estate investor and broker. My husband and I run a family-owned investment business. We cater to investors specifically, regardless of where they are in the world, they can invest with us, through us, and use us to grow their wealth. We are currently in South Florida and recently entered a new market in North Carolina. I started about 25 years ago just wanting to become an investor. I wanted to... I did it originally because I wanted to make Make more money. So I began on that journey pre-technology and realized now that those were the good old days. Much harder to have as much competition as we do today. But I've come to learn and have invested through every one of the four market cycles. I just find that knowing the market cycles, knowing what the indicators are for each one, just help you, if you will, have a crystal ball, so to speak, to know what you should be doing in each market and what to look for the next one coming up so you can twist and adjust your strategies. If you can do that to keep your emotions out of it and constantly make business decisions with your finances and your assets, I think you're going to stay on the winning side of things. Grow that wealth, grow those assets, grow the portfolio, if that's your goal in real estate. If I think back to 2008, many of us, myself included, saw the aftermath as the opportunity of a lifetime. And it was finding that delicate balance of getting some real bargains far below construction cost, far below replacement cost. And on the other side, making sure you don't catch a falling knife. We find ourselves kind of at the cusp of that Again, today, with a lot of properties and forbearance, how many of those will actually go into default isn't clear yet. We think there's a market cycle and at least a down cycle coming, and yet prices are still on the rise. What do you think? I agree. I have a good feeling about the market that we're in right now. I think we have been at the top of a market cycle one, and I'm sure I'll get the opportunity to explain these cycles as we go. And we've been sitting at that place for a while. Everything that we purchase seems to have gone up in value by the time we're finished with the renovations and putting it on the market. Rental rates are through the roof. There's such a high demand for real estate. And I believe, honestly, part of the take on what I see here locally, especially, is that there is a lot of people that aren't putting their homes on the market for fear of COVID and people coming inside their home. And so if they're still occupying the property, they've decided to wait. So I believe that has lowered the supply. And that's why we feel like there's a limited supply. It's a seller's market. I believe that part of the correction, if you will, be when, okay, people feel comfortable that COVID's not a threat anymore. And they decide, hey, Ethel, let's put the house on the market now and get what our neighbor got. They're not the only one who thinks that. Now we have neighborhoods full of people coming to the market wanting to get what their neighbor got. And we will see the supply go up and there'll be enough houses to meet the demand and those prices will adjust. I don't know yet what that will look like because a pandemic is not one of the indicators in any of my market cycles. <laughs> to go. So we're rolling with the punches and figuring out how this plays out as we go. Why don't we dig into the basics of the four elements of the market cycle 
And of course, there isn't just one market cycle. We're dealing with headwinds and tailwinds in different segments of the market. We have baby boomers saying they want to shelter or they want to age in place. They don't necessarily want to go into that old age home sooner than they have to. We have millennials trying to get out of the dense urban environment as they're starting to start families. We have all of these different forces underway and now layer on top of that a pandemic. So let's go through the, the market cycles first and see how this overlays. Sure. So market cycle one, like I said, there's four. There's only always four. Now, this is not something that you see worldwide or nationwide or even in one city. It can differ from neighborhood to neighborhood. So wherever you are investing, you should have a market cycle basically understanding for that specific area as opposed to, hey, once market cycles for everything, just to keep that in mind. So in the first market cycle, we are actually on an up. We're going up, if you will consider, as I speak, an up and down type of chart. Market cycle one is going up. And the indicators for a market cycle one are a number of properties on the market reduced. So we see that there is a demand. Properties are selling quickly. The unemployment rate is lower. And real estate prices and rental rates increase. The demand is drawing everything up. And I believe we've been in that place for quite a while. And there's been steady growth. The only indicator that this COVID thing has changed is this unemployment rate being low. We're being told by general sources and media that our unemployment rate is high. We take that in consideration, but this is like looking at the market cycle charts after 08. Even that situation was not an indicator normally. And market cycle two, we're at the top now of that mountain. We've peaked. What we are looking for as savvy investors is we're looking for these indicators to come next. And that's when we're going to make our adjustment. When we see that these things begin to happen from the sources, the economic sources, the experts, certainly not from the media, then we will adjust what we're doing to set ourselves up to continue to grow our wealth in real estate. So market cycle two at the top of the peak would be following one, the number of properties on the market begin to increase. So we start to see the days on market increasing. We see that the unemployment rate increases slightly. Property sales begin to slow down as an indication that buyers are backing up. Sale prices are still on the high side though. And so when we see this taking place, what we want to do is if we are flipping in that time or we have any assets we want to sell, now is the time to sell, to put them on the market a little bit below everybody else so we don't get stuck in the downturn of market cycle two. We want to make sure we're unloading things at this high price while there's still a demand before the media has told the world that the market has changed. Wholesaling is a good strategy. The buy and hold strategy you can obviously use in any cycle. And of course, then there's waiting. Let's wait and see what's going to happen. There's, I'm not really a desperate seller here. Um, I can hold on to my assets. So the market cycle three would be what would be taking place next. And that's we're going back down the other side of the mountain. Prices begin to drop. The desire for buying drops. The demand is down. Unemployment rate increases. Real estate values are low and keep falling. So this is what we saw right after 08, a market cycle three. Now in market cycle three, if you are a seller that is desperate or worried or fearful or concerned, you're in a fire sale situation. If you have properties that you're holding, then you're going to continue to hold. Now, the time to sell is not in a market cycle three. And then wholesaling is always a strategy where there's low risk. And if you can wholesale any property, then do it. Market cycle three is where the savvy have accumulated their money. They sold everything when they saw the, the cycles turning and they're sitting on cash 
and able to now take advantage of these low prices, more desperate situations and buy, like you just mentioned when we were speaking earlier after 08. And then that kind of hits the bottom. And now we start to see the turnaround again for a four. And that means we've dipped to the bottom of our three and things are starting to turn. Now, this is one of the best places to notice before the world tell the media tells the world what's going on. So we start to see properties begin to sell. We notice that the days on market are lowering. The time frame for selling is taking less time. Unemployment rate is decreasing. Things are looking better in the economy. And we see that the real estate values and rents begin to increase. And so when we begin to see this ever so slightly, it's time to buy as much as we can because we anticipate market cycle one coming next. And we're going to buy and hold through that and then hold it as long as you can, or at least begin flipping until again, you see it turn again. If you just know what to look for and you have all your indicators set up, like for me, myself right now in our office, we are probably looking at these indicators every two weeks. Normally, we wouldn't do it in that short of a time frame, but we're really keeping our eyes on the days on market for residential real estate here and looking for those numbers to increase so that we can be ready for the next change if that's coming anytime soon. Now, of course, we can be in one market cycle in one segment and in a different part of the cycle in another. Like, for example, right now in retail, if you're the owner of a strip mall, you're probably in the backside of the mountain. Whereas you could in residential, we could be in a different part of the cycle because those cycles don't necessarily go hand in hand. No, not at all. Just like you said, condos, for example, they're the first property type to go down the mountain, if you will, and the last to come up. So condos specifically, you'd want to buy differently. Your strategy for those would be different. Exactly. You talk a little bit about unemployment now, where a lot of the job losses have impacted people have been primarily tenants because where most of the job losses have been in retail, they've been in hospitality, food and beverage. And those are overwhelmingly, just as a percentage of the population, make up more tenants than homeowners. Homeowners, for the most part, have been largely spared because they have some of those jobs that they can effectively work from home, even if the office is closed. So we could be in a different part of the cycle even there when we examine different types of properties. Absolutely. We are landlords. We run a property management company. We have been very fortunate that I would say the majority of our tenants haven't skipped a beat. And for the small uh, amount of them that were affected, there has actually been COVID funds or and funds made available because of COVID that have been able to pay their rent. They've been in, able to dip into that. We've been paid by other organizations and, and uh, nonprofits to keep them current. So we've not had a single eviction due to non-payment of rent during the situation, which has been really great for us because there's been so many moratoriums out there that I think are really affecting those landlords that are in states or places where they cannot evict for any reason. And they've got you know a lot of tenants taking advantage of that. I know we have investor associates that are in that situation and they're suffering for it. As you look forward for the next six to 12 months, what's on your buy list? We are actually going back to our hitting the checklist of everything I would tell a new investor to do. And that is purchasing in the first time home buyer marketplace, that price range. Because I feel that if we get 
like a quick adjustment like we did after the 08, that is a price point that will cash flow. So if I ended up not wanting to sell quickly a fire sale or lose money, I could certainly put tenants in there and hold those through a downturn. And that's why I like that price point. We are sticking to single family homes, unless of course, price would move us emotionally to look at a different uh, situation or property type, of course. But that price point, I want the standard three bedroom, two bath or better. I'm sticking to that bread and butter strategy so that every exit strategy will work for us if the market turns. We're still in this whole uh, thing up in the air with the election and It's just a unique market right now. And and everybody's conservatively waiting to see what happens, but you can't stop investing. Well, Sharon, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Awesome. They can check us out. We have a private Facebook community called Taking the Land, where we post almost daily and communicate and continue to bring value and education to our community. They can find us, sorry, at takingthelandinvestors.com. We'll take them there. Fantastic. Well, thank you for the insights. The whole question of analyzing the market cycle and determining where we are in the cycle, because of course, not every strategy applies at every point in the cycle. So it's so important to pay attention to that. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Sharon at takingthelandinvestors.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. 